0: Hello, I'm Oliver Wong.
1: And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every
0: episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, hot lava. And today, we are going to be joining hands to take it back to 1994 and 2. Or maybe it's just I, I, I don't really know. The second (laughs) album by the R&B mega smash group, Boys to
2: Men. I like this.
1: Boys to men going off, not too hard, not too soft, could easily be considered a bit of a mantra for Sean, Wanye, Nathan, and Michael. Two tenors, a baritone and a bass singer from Philly, after their debut album, the one that introduced us to their stees and their melodies. This one went hella platinum. The follow-up, two. This album had hits and can be divided into three sections. Section one, couples therapy. Section (laughs) 2. I've got vocal summer camp. Mm -hmm. And 3. Can we go a little faster? Four-part harmony and earnestness made this without question a 90s album, a double Grammy-winning album. Somehow we've gone from this.
2: to 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 this. No protection, with you, protection with you.
1: Because boys to men came to prominence when men could be boyish, They could have crushes, be awkward, write poetry and serenade and cry. Because in the summer of 1994, we preferred ballads to beef. Mm -hmm. And four dudes from Philly who didn't mind letting their sensitivity get in the way. Shout out to Luther Vandross. This album was a heat rock.
0: Talk about boys to men's, too. We invited Phil Yu. You may know him better as Angry Asian Man, the titular website that he created back in 2001 to report on Asian-American culture, politics, and related issues. I started reading Angry Asian Man back in those early days, and it's crazy to realize that there's now an entire generation of Asian-American youth about to start college who may have grown up with Angry Asian Man as their definitive, formative source for news related to our merry little community. Phil is also one half of the podcast, They Call Us Bruce, where he and co-host Jeff Yang have a, quote, unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America, unquote. Phil, welcome to Heat Rocks.
3: Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of the show. I'm I'm just like, I'm here. I'm here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mama, we made it.
0: So, Phil, I had no idea what you would choose. I did joke with you offline that I figured maybe you'd pick New Order just because we're both Asian Americans of a certain generation, um, but you decided you want to go with the second, the sophomore Boys to Men album. Why was this one a hit rock for you?
3: I think Boys to Men is definitely the first group I ever, you know, so pro- sort of proclaimed is this is my favorite group, you know, mm. at the time, you know, and, and and I was, you know, in my teens, it was super formative of uh, you know, my ideas of like romance. Uh, you know, wooing girls and liking a girl, pining after, you know, girls. And Boys and, and Boyz II Men provided the soundtrack for that. And in addition to just, you know, like forming my musical tastes and, and listening to just kind of digesting everybody, everything that was coming out at me on the radio, I kind of settled on, like, I like these guys and their aesthetic mm. and their sound. Like, mm. this is, I, like, I think I'm about this, you know. And so when this this album came out, uh, you know, it was coming off of um, Cooley High, you know, the. Which was, like, you know... Huge. It was huge. Massive. Yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. Massive, you know. Between albums, they, they came out with the uh, uh, monster single, End of the Road, right off mm. the Boomerang soundtrack. Yeah. That was, like, hot summer jam. And then when this album finally dropped, I was I was hyped. I was so hyped, and I was I remember it was one of the first albums I ever was like anticipating the the release date for. Yeah. And, I, and like, you know, I, we're taking the bus to after school to go to the mall to to pick up this album.
1: Where'd you pick it up from, if you remember?
3: Uh, I think I got it at Musicland, which is a, a Sam Goody. I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sam Goody, uh, part of the Sam Goody chain. This was up in the Bay Area. Up in the Bay Area, Cupertino, California. I uh, went to. A, I took the bus after school to what was then called Valco Fashion Park, yes. and then I uh, picked up <laughs> two. What format? Uh, it was, and it was one of the first CDs I ever got. Oh. Yeah, oh. yeah. I remember getting my first CD player probably the, the year previous, and so, uh, yeah, one of the first CDs. You just said a moment ago that this
0: was an album that you were, along with millions of others, I'm sure, heavily anticipating. How were you first introduced to Boys II Men? How did you first start listening to them?
3: I was definitely first uh, that the first single off Cooley High, um, Motown Philly. Yeah. You know when that, that song, when that song dropped, it was like, I- I've never heard anything like this before. You
0: know, was this on the radio? Was this in your house? Like, oh yeah, where, yeah.
3: Radio. Um, I didn't have MTV back in the day, and so it was mm-hmm. all radio, all radio. Uh, shout out to Cameo in the Bay Area. Yes, yeah.
0: You know. '90s classic. I yeah, mean, that's one of the just the best eras for radio. Period. Not just in the Bay, but Cameo in the '90s was was game changing. Yeah, yeah,
3: I mean it was very formative for me and so when 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 uh when Motown Philly dropped that video i did i did catch glimpses of that video you know mm, not yeah. despite not having m t v and um I remember being so like being impressed with their style because they had a different kind of style they
1: right? did they did you know
3: and then and as somebody who didn't have a lot of style i think back then, but I was like look they were they' were, they were so like they're really preppy, all gapped out, you know? And I was like, that is my natural state. <laughs> I was like, they are making this cool, you know? And so that was, to me was like I could get with this, you know? And so you know, that you know, visually they made an impression on me, you know. And in, in in addition to being just like a really hot single, you know. Yeah.
1: They were preppy. Uh they had the glasses. They had the varsity jackets with the little letters on them. They had the bow ties. Uh, at least one of the brothers had a cane. That's right. <laughs> and uh, it was just a cool look. You know, it was a cool look. And then they had the harmonies. Oh, yeah. And they had the acapellas. And at the time, the only other acapella group that I knew that had gone to prominence was Take Six. Take six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they weren't, like, cool. Yeah. Right. They were I mean, not running the MTV charts. They really, really weren't. So this was fresh.
0: So, Morgan, I need to know from you, how was your introduction? What was your introduction to Boys to Men? Motown
1: Philly, Philly, yeah. and I heard it. Um, I don't know where I was going. I, I I had a car then, and I was rolling. I think I heard it on the radio, and mm-hmm. I was like, "This is sort of dope," you know, um, the way the song starts. Um, Nineteen ninety four, I had choices. I mean, I was I was also into dance music then, so that was a thing. Yeah, um, but I was into. I mean, I, I can't take anything away from nineties uh, R and B. I was into all of it. I was into High Five. I was into Portrait. I was into Shy. Um, I didn't want people to know, but I was into Jodeci, but I just didn't want to
0: claim that. You know what I'm saying? Wait, hold it, up, hold up. Why? Because Jodeci was, you know, a little too, a little too extra. It m- might have been. Okay.
1: Might have <laughs> been. Might have been. But uh, you know, like I always say on this show, confession is good for the soul. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's gonna hear this and be like poser. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was into I was into that style. I, I like boys to men because. I thought their sound was just like a real talent flex. Mm. Like these dudes could sing. Mm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? These are four dudes that could really sing and could really harmonize. And as I was sort of saying in the intro, it was just a time where their sound and their style wasn't considered corny yet. Right? Right. And so um, it was cool to serenade girls. And I thought that was all cool. And then the Cooley High Association was just cool. That's just iconic to black culture. So they won for me from the very beginning.
0: Yeah. Phil, how much R and B were you listening to in general? I mean, was that your main genre? Like, what else was a fifteen-year-old Phil you getting into back then?
3: I was, you know, it was pretty much top forty, anything that was kind of playing on the radio, popular then. So, I switched dials between the rock stations and then KML, kind of like everything. So, anything that was kind of just playing on heavy rotation on the radio back then, I was kind of consuming it all. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was everything from Boyz II Men and definitely like High Five, those yeah. all those like Shy. Um, but also, I had a big REM phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. I had multiple <laughs> albums from Toad the Wet Sprocket. Sure. Um, These were the cranberry years. Yeah, the yeah. cranberry years. I mean, I kind of listened to all that. So any, any, basically anything that was on the radio, you know, I kind of just digested all of it.
0: Phil, you brought up just the look of Boys to Men and how it synced well with how you already dressed. I'm wondering, did, were you whether in explicit or maybe more subtle ways, did you begin changing your look in terms of how you dress for school to make it a little bit more boys to many?
3: I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have like three other guys to 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 you know to rock it with. But yeah. like, I definitely like when you saw because other, I, I saw that other people were also adapting to that style, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like making all of a sudden making like the Gap cool and like you know. I, so yeah, I mean, I I think I started to sort of uh. Well, linen suspenders I, I maybe. was I was I was proud of being able to be like yo I'm kind of a square these guys yeah. feel like they're kind of squ- like cool squares you know yeah. and like I'm a square too you know so I'm okay with that people were sagging people were wearing back and I was like I I'm, I'm not I don't, I don't think I, I have the guts to do that but voice to Men is making it cool to be like if you can I think that what became really apparent in the release, re-listen of this album was to me that like I, I really love this group and I, I realized I'd kind of been duped into into being a huge fan of essentially a boy band, you yeah. know, <laughs> a, a, of a kick.
0: Why do you say that like it's a bad thing?
3: Well, you know, because I because I would recoil at someone suggesting what would be our prototypical examples of, of a boy band, right? Sure, your sings or your Backstreet. Right, sure. right. Yeah. I would have recoiled, you know, and said, "Hell no!" You know, right. but. But looking back, I'm like, oh, these guys were a boy band, you know. They had yeah. their distinct, you know, each member had their personality, care- carefully crafted image. The group had an image and, uh, and a certain level of uh, a squeaky cleanness mm-hmm. to That's them it. that was radio fe- top 40 radio friendly that you could play on adult contemporary, you know. And then, you know, they just had this uh, sincerity to them that mm-hmm. was like that play to, like, you, like we've been saying, to girls, to yeah. girls, you know. And so uh, – Definitely. I, I look back and like, oh, yeah, Boyz II Men, it's in the name. They were a boy band. That's it. <laughs> right. That's
1: it. And, and I just didn't – I believed them. I struggled with Color Me Bad. And it's not just because one of those dudes looked like George Michael and it freaked <laughs> me out. That was part of it. But I just thought they threw a bunch of dudes together. It was sort of a Benetton ad mm. on music. right? And it just didn't it gel for me.
0: Didn't feel authentic. They didn't. Right.
1: You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah they just sure. It was just something weird about them. This, to your point, everybody had their distinct... I mean, I think everyone loved Wanye, but I think people slept on Sean. Sean had vocals.
3: Oh, he was the slickest. I mean, th- that For falsetto... Sure. Come on, now. Yeah.
1: He didn't really come to prominence until they got to Hey Lover. When they did that song with L.O. Cool J, Hey Lover, oh, Sean yeah. stepped out of the shadows. Right. You know, I wanted to get into the specific tracks, and so I wanted to sort of circle back on some of the stuff that I said in the intro. Okay. So when I talked about couples therapy, that being one section of the album, I'm talking about songs like Trying Times, I'll Make Love to You, Unbended Knee, and Water Runs Dry. The, <laughs> those are relationship songs. And Boyz II Men was not too proud to beg. A lot of those songs, Wanye is singing hard. Oh yeah! <laughs> In the church, we call it flat footed singing. He is singing hard, like he, it it is. For that brother, it is important to be earnest, right? He is really singing from his soul. Those are directed specifically at women, and and very sensitive and vulnerable, which I think was is early '90s R and B is, is about that. But the whole album doesn't really sound like that. Mm-hmm. I think on other songs they. They, they show off a little bit yeah. some of their some of their vocals. Khalil is one of them. I
2: need shelter from the rain to ease the pain of changing from boys to men.
1: Yesterday is another one.
2: I'm not half the man I used to be. Shadow hanging over me, oh, yesterday came sun.
1: Yesterday, that's ambitious.
0: Making like on the Beatles.
1: How'd you feel about that? Were you there for it?
0: That is one of those songs that I did remember from then. And I think they do a really good job with it. And it's ballsy not simply just to cover the Beatles, but to make it the last track on your album, which is just giving it that, you know, that, that, key position and that weight in the sequence and and this comes back to I think the point that both of you have made here is that one of the things that this group could do is they could pull off really good vocals. If they didn't need to cover it up with the production they could just let their harmonies roll and I think that's what makes their cover here work. It, I mean also I'm not really wed to some idea that the Beatles are untouchable. I mean there's some artists that I think are really hard to cover and we've talked about this in the past. Like covering Prince you're asking for for some challenges sure but I think the Beatles I mean the, what, what, made their, what made them great is a lot of their songwriting but it's not because necessarily that John and Paul and George and Ringo had these world beater voices that could never be duplicated sure that wasn't what they were about so I think Beatles stuff lends itself to, to be covered sure yeah.
1: it's just how people consider them and that they put them in a category where it's almost like is it sacrilegious to cover them. And I think if you're going to cover them you got to do it differently like Boys to Men did it, which mm-hmm. was which was rife with harmonies. Right, yeah. And so it took it from something that is a classic or would be considered so classic that you can't touch it into something that they made their made their own. I don't know how everybody felt about that, but I just like the arrangement
3: of it. I think if you looked at it you know, cynically, it, there it appears to have some calculation. I mean, uh, one of the big hits off of Coolie High Harmony was "It's So Hard to Say Goodbye." Yesterday, sure. right? Sure. Also an acapella song, also yeah. cover, and you know, and then so you know, they, you might someone might have in the studio been like, you know, we should do another acapella joint with the name yesterday. Yesterday, I mean, the most <laughs> famous song with yesterday in it, right? And then close out the album. But it, you know, the arrangement is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it really is the most show y song that they have on the album where like this is what we this is what we do, you yeah. know. And so it really does show like just show off all their colors, you know. They
0: should have done some kind of maxi EP that was just songs of boys and men doing songs with called yesterday. Just, <laughs> with six variations on that. They would that would have been just multi-platinum so out the
4: box, man. Away, oh, yesterday was far away.
1: of the songs that i mentioned that are very relationship and sort of you know love focused on this album what's your favorite out of like on bended knee water runs dry i'll make love to you which was your jam on here
3: this is okay this is hard uh of the three i think the one that i really love the most and i think is it's somewhat timeless is uh, is water runs dry mm-hmm. i think it's just it's a gorgeous song mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't so much have the production of the era so that it feels a little more timeless right and it's baby face oh, all over that cool. like, oh my God. all over that you know yeah. uh, but with the strings and the and, you know and the guitar it's like i don't know there's something really really gorgeous about um, and poetic about that song you know
2: but we did not pain the land deep in our Why
3: but I have, do have a special, a soft spot for uh, for on Bend and knee. I think that it, of all the songs that Boyz II Men has ever done, it is the peak Boyz II Men song, mm-hmm. right? Uh, not just because there's this, you know, has has this feeling of supplication and actually invokes God, but it does feel like a church worship song mm. in a lot of ways, you know, the way it builds and the way it really, you know, and then at the end they're just kind of like, what you said, what you said was I had never heard of that that term, the, what, the flat-footed.
1: Flat-footed singing.
3: But it, it is perfect, right? And then there's always this moment in every voice and Men song where they just give one day the green light, right? Yep. It's like go, <laughs> go, you know, and his song, his, his voice has this physicality to it yes. that it's just, you know, it is... a. He's using his whole body you know and so that song i think when he goes off it's like it's one year time it's boy cement time it's like and so yeah i mean they're going to church in that one i'm sorry yeah. I let you go.
1: I mean, I agree with everything that you said, but I think that there were probably songs where Wanya gave himself the green light. And he was like, oh, listen, yo, I'm go- Sean, I'm going for it. Because a few of those gems, I was like, you might have could have let Sean, you know what I'm saying, t- go to higher heights on this thing. But I think Wanya, that's just every group. He There's was, that one dude, yeah, MJ he, with the rock. That's <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: Cartwright. You need to get out of the way, Kerr. I got this. That's it. I'm just going. I'm going to the hoop on this. One.
1: That's it. And I think he just, you know, he took it up there. I, I like. I'll make love to you. I just think that's. It's just so sweet. Um, as explicit as I think boys to men could have been for that time, right? It's just something that you know. it, it just stays. It just stays with you.
0: Have to talk about the video for this <laughs> song, and this. Blew I, knew my you mind. Gonna go. I knew you were gonna go. <laughs> this blew my mind. Phil was telling me before we taped, he had never seen it until his past week. Which I don't know how that is humanly possible that you n- had not seen one of the definitive <sighs> videos. But this is this opens up a great question. What did you think of it as a Boys to Men fan for twenty plus years, never having seen that video? What did you think of it?
3: What was funny is that this video and sort of the template it, it you know, it writes yeah. has been so parodied now totally over the last 20 years you know what i mean i'm like y- it's it's every, everything about this is so you know it it's set, it. let's let's run
0: the list right yeah yeah narrow sunglasses that you're kind of peering your eyes are just peering above them right <laughs> people can't see Morgan's in space but she's basically it's like she's got a <laughs> sinus headache right now she's just gripping she's gripping her her eyes and nose bridge really heavy right now um Matching, matching outfits, uh, I mean, satin jammies, like four, all four of them in satin jammies in a, in, a, in a candlelit room. These sort of madras-like striped uh, sh- shirts being worn over white T-shirts and white shorts, belted, tucked in white shorts.
1: Those were horrible. <laughs> horrible,
0: yo. But my favorite part of the video is just the story behind yes. it. Yes. And if you've never seen the video... I mean, Morgan, you are familiar with this video. Yes, I do you, am. Do you want to explain the story in the video?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't want you to explain the story.
0: <laughs> so the video opens with Dwayne Martin, who was on All of Us. Uh, he was also on White Men Can't Jump. So he right. was just getting his, 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 uh, his foot in, through the door in Hollywood at that time. And he plays a security expert who's installed an alarm system... For a very attractive woman who clearly is clearly trying to get it on with him. Like he cannot seem to catch a hint here. And then throughout the song, we go interspersed between boys to men in various matching outfits, looking incredible. And then it comes back to them, th- these two people, right? The security installer and this woman whose house that has this alarm system and she's getting undressed and she's settling into a nice bath and he's trying to figure out how to write a love letter to her. And he gets out the boys to men CD of the single and cribs the notes from the CD to write the love letter and then drops it off. And because he's installed the alarm system, like she knows the alarm's gone off and she goes and she gets the note and she reads it. And in comparison, if you've ever watched the video for Unbended Knee, it tries to tell three or four different stories and it's really hard to follow. (laughs) I'll make love to you. It is beginning, middle, end. it is super clean I kind of love
3: it. I this video
0: has stayed with me for twenty plus
3: years.
1: I want to know who. I want to know who directed that video.
3: Yeah, it really. They really do go there with like, oh, how do I get to get with this girl? How do I tell her what I feel? I'm going to look up the Boy II lyrics <laughs>
1: because those are perfect.
3: <laughs> I'm a crib, and I, I you know, it's it's but, it's a modern day Cyrano, right? I'm I'm nitpicking here. It'd be one thing if he
0: was trying to woo her, someone a reluctant lover, right? And you need to write the perfect letter in order to to melt her heart. But she was just straight up trying to give it to him when he was at the house installing this. And it's not like, my dude, you don't need to try that hard. Like, she wants <laughs> you. It's very clear that she wants you. Everyone watching this video understands this. So I don't know why you need to write, and in, in also at some kind of very dimly lit desk, these lyrics from a CD in order to be able to pitch woo here. Because she is, she is ready for you.
1: I think one thing that we didn't say is the uniforms that they have on, especially white, are considered... Remember Fredera was here and she was talking about auntie music? Yeah. Uncle music and uncle outfits is that white. If you see somebody with that white on today, they're going to the Playboy (laughs) Jazz Festival. And they got a Bluetooth headset. (laughs) They drinking Henny. (laughs) Oh, That's it. You know, it's so sad that what happened to that sound that it just became not cool, because at the time, boys to Men had swag. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I sort of always hated the eyewear. So thank you for bringing that up in the video, because it wasn't just that video where their glasses were all... they
0: did a lot of that narrow sunglasses peering over it. It just
1: wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. I let the finger thing make it...
0: The finger thing was incredible, (laughs) though. I mean, Wanye basically doing that sexy wag with the head and the shoulder shake, (laughs) iconic. I I mean, I don't know if he invented it, but... He mastered that. That is some Shaolin
3: Monk-level mastery of, of the finger wags. I distinctly remember Sean doing a lot of that, too. He right? did. That was, yeah, that was, he yeah. did that, and he yeah. had the long <laughs> finger. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a whole other show.
0: Finger wags in the 90s. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I don't have each of these people memorized. Sean was a skinny one? Yeah. Sean was a slim. skinny one. Okay.
3: Like his nickname's Slim. Okay. Yeah.
0: That dude was skinny. He was... Like, <laughs> okay. Like Kevin T- Durant is slim, like that, Sean is, was skinny. as Really well. skinny. Yeah. And
1: TV has fifteen pounds to you. Sean was skinny because <laughs> he looked skinny in the videos, and you're like, yo, get that boy a pork chop or something. But I thought that they all had their own. What made them separate was their voices. Um, of course, Wanye. But Sean's pitch was real high, mm. and whenever they had to go to those real high levels and and be soft. That was all him. Yeah. I think Wanye put the power in power power ballad. He was big. And then of course you had Mike who was just like he'd come in and be like, yo.
3: I forgot <laughs> to mention that though. Don't on, ad- don't forget uh, that Phil. On Banded Knee, right? It even has it, in addition to all the stuff I said, it even has Mike McCrary coming in there and being like, Girl, <laughs> baby, baby, I'm sorry. You know, and then and That's doing his it. little soliloquy, right? You know That's
1: it.
2: Sorry. Please forgive me for all the wrong afters. Please come back home, girl. I know you put all your trust I'm sorry yeah. I let you down.
0: We will be back with more of a conversation with Phil Yu about boys to men's too after a brief word from a couple of our other fantastic Max Fun siblings. Keep it locked. <laughs>
4: This week on Bullseye, Lin-Manuel Miranda on His Dark Materials, Hip-Hop, and Life After Hamilton. I know it's the first line of my obituary, so if that line is handled, then what else can I do with my time here? It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey, it's Jesse Thorne. We're very happy to announce that tickets for MaxFunCon 2020 will go on sale Friday, November 29th at 11 a.m. Pacific. I also want to let you know, this coming year, MaxFunCon 2020, will be our last MaxFunCon for the foreseeable future. For 2020 and beyond, we're going to be looking for ways to connect with more of you in person and spread the spirit of MaxFun farther than it's ever gone before. In the meantime, if you want to join us at the last MaxFunCon in Lake Arrowhead, June 12th through the 14th, you can find details at maxfuncon.com. com.
1: (laughs) Yo we are back on heat rocks, talking voice to men's two with Phil you you know, I wanted to bring up evolution, which came after, and the change that happened in just three years in just three years, the whole game changed. you got evolution ninety seven certainly the pressure was on them because you had two albums at multi multi yeah. and evolution only sold two million, mm-hmm. which in today's economy would be like you made it but then it was like a,
0: that's considered disappointment yeah a
1: huge disappointment and i'm wondering if they're just if their style went out if the style of r&b went out or it just became harder in 97 because of hip hop to do things that were strictly r&b
3: i think it was all that you know and i i, I i'm going to go with my you know with the the pattern of my fandom of of you know seeking out that album going to the mall, taking the damn bus to, the al- to, to to the mall to find the album when Evolution came out, I was like, "Oh, did did they release a new? Like, <laughs> you know, it'd been out for weeks, and I didn't, I didn't know, you know. And I think I had moved on as as a fan. I'm sorry to say, you know. And then yeah. it was like, I don't know. I think I had lost interest in that style, you know. And then definitely, there's definitely like I'd I'd grown to just become a, a bigger hip hop fan. Yeah, everything that was going. On, I was in co- I was in college at the time, so yeah, I distinctly remember being like, "Oh, I used to really love Boys. Sc- they have now album- Oh man, you know."
1: I think that flew under the radar for a lot of people, and I think just um, R and B just really changed, and it became—I mean, the the, bo- the boy band thing was done. Like we really didn't have it in, in the in the in the way the boys to men gave mm-hmm. it to us. If it was four dudes singing together, everyone was rugged, everyone was hard, and they were not that. And had they tried to be that, I don't think anyone would have bought
0: that mm. at all. But wouldn't this have been the same era in which? And I can't remember ex- the exact timeline that Sync and Backstreet Boys were beginning to blow up because that very clean cut, you know, stuff that you can play in, in if you're like a teenage girl in particular, your parents are not going to be, you know, upset or, or concerned sure. about it. I mean, I, we haven't really talked about this, but I was thinking about this uh, when Phil was mentioning that Boys to Men was a boy band with, you don't think about them as being a boy band. I think partly is because the term, I think, tends to get reserved for white groups right. and that yeah. black groups don't get that. No. And, and in sync and backstreet boys can be boy bands and they can have their teenage followings but if you're a group of black musicians that like, you don't you can't tap into that because oh. you know racism and, and all these other
1: things exactly and voice men didn't have to dance
0: in mm. sync
1: and uh, new kids on the block and all that they were doing all those synchronized yeah. moves you know yeah. um, I think they were. B- certainly borrowing a lot from some of these black groups, but it was just a different pitch. They were sold as really innocent. And by the time they came out, you know, guy groups were were not. The hip hop and R&B had mm. been totally married. And so you were selling hard. You were yeah. you know, and you weren't singing. You weren't on bended knee then. Yeah. You, you were standing up. Yeah. You know, when this came out, with this time of R&B, you know, hookups lasted a weekend and you might get breakfast you know what I'm saying by the time we got to the rest of it it was like yo this that time is over and I feel bad for Boyz II Men because the, I think the style passed on and I think they might have aged out right. of uh, of this sort of R&B and that's unfortunate.
3: That's really interesting because I you know it's not like there weren't black boy bands and, and Boyz II Men were clearly set up as successors to New Edition right and yeah. so you know, it's not like they there wasn't a tradition of this, and so something in the industry changed, something about the the game changed. You yep. know, for the, for, uh, what's what's sort of true of all boy bands, people get older. They do, yeah,
1: they do. And I think I think um, when we talk about production, I think Babyface, you know, became about the artist and less about, you know, less about groups and stuff. And he had he had options then. You had all of LaFace, and so you could you had Usher, and then you had Tony Braxton, and then so I think the focus, you know wasn't really on groups anymore and that's unfortunate because Boyz to Men is one of the best out there. Their songs get played still everywhere on every top ten radio station um, you know it is, they are I- iconic to black culture. I mean you're gonna hear mama at anyone anyone's mother passes you are gonna hear mama even in a church setting
2: Your love is like tears from the stars Yes is, Mama I want you to know Loving you is like food to my soul. Yes, it is.
1: Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Um, End of the Road is still always played. Just iconic, iconic stuff. So I feel bad that, um, that they didn't get the love?
0: This raises a good question. Um, I was reading something by Panama Jack, who's one of the writers uh, with uh, Very Smart Brothers, the website, and he wrote that, quote, when you hear people rave about the groups from the 90s, boys to men rarely gets a mention, unquote. And again, not as, as someone who didn't follow R&B in that era, that struck me as surprising because I can't imagine how a group that big would have been left by the wayside in our memory, but he, that's his argument. Do we... Or do we buy this, that, that Boys to Men has been somehow underrated in, in a way when we think back to the nineties?
1: I agree with that. Yeah. Because remember one of our earlier episodes, we had Fonte on here and we were talking about intro. Yeah. We name checked a bunch of bands and Boys to Men didn't come what? it didn't come up. So damn, I feel bad about myself. I think, I think now. there's
3: something about their ubiquity in the nineties that made right. them at this point everyone is a little maybe a little bit tired of like, oh it's a it's a I remember that. Like that was cool. Yeah, but like, and it's it's a little bit cooler to sort of mention the ones that got a little less play back then that sure. people appreciate, you know? But
0: I think if you if you were to talk about the female equivalent, no one would say that Mariah wasn't the biggest acts in the mm. '90s, and that she would be at the top of that list. But maybe it's because she was making hit after hit, and back to your point, Morgan, with Boys to Men, they had two incredible albums, and then kind of like. And didn't really survive the rest of the decade, not financially. I'm hopefully they did fine, but rather within the kind of public imagination and therefore the public memory, I guess. When you were re-listening to this, um, was there a song that really stood out to you this time around that maybe you didn't give enough appreciation to when you you know had first brought the home the the CD home from the mall back in the day?
3: You know, I'll give some love to Jezebel. I think. Just because really? of the vocal gymnastics they're doing in that song, you know, they're showing off in that one, too. Absolutely. Uh, as a whole, I mean, it's an okay song, but like their performance in that song, mm. there's a breakdown that they do that goes a cappella sort of where they're really just like, we're going four part and we're going to do it. And, yeah. and they're showing off, yeah. you know. Yeah.
0: Is there a song off this album that you would like to hear a contemporary
3: artist try to take on? As a challenge, I'd love to see someone cover I'll Make Love To You. Flip it, do something different, like a, a, a female artist, a female group. Mm. Do some just, I don't know, as a challenge, because it feels like it's so of its time. Yeah. But I actually really appreciate the sentiment behind it. A lot of it, you know, sort of, it's so sincere. It's so, uh, you know, it's so concerned with uh, this girl's their pleasure, you know, their, 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 it's so accommodating. And, and it, it deals with consent, you know, and it's so, it's. You know, you don't, you do, we've said it before, you don't hear songs like this bef- anymore. And I'd like to see, like, an artist try this just as a challenge. It's just, it could work, you know. Do you have anyone in mind, though? <laughs> I, so, I so don't know. Like, right. I do not follow, like, current music. Current music so it's really hard to think. I don't know. I think we need to go to the music supervisor. Yeah.
0: Do you think there's someone out there who could take on, especially a, a, a female group that could take on I'll Make Love to You?
1: tough crowd um you know when you started saying this i thought it would be great to have one person take Mm -hmm. on this song Mm -hmm. and i'm a jasmine sullivan fan Mm -hmm. so i would love to hear her arrangement of it and maybe a little bit more jazzy and and slow slow down i was listening to her cover "Round midnight and it sounded nothing like what i would have expected it sounded very um, jazzy gospel, almost to the point where it was like, yo, I, I didn't even realize that that's how, what she was covering. But it really
2: gets better right?
1: So I'd like to hear Jasmine Sullivan do this. I wouldn't want to give this to a group necessarily.
0: I feel bad, but the first, when you said about the, sort of the jazzy arrangement, I just went back to thinking about Fergie. And we just talked about, oh my God. about Fergie doing the national anthem on our, our July 4th episode. And just imagining Fergie using that particular take and trying to take this song off. Fergie, listen,
1: Fergie, if you listen to this, don't redo this jam right here. Leave boys to men
0: alone. But Phil, to your point, though, I think... I, well, I think it would be very interesting to hear either a woman or a group of women take it on. It would change the meaning of the song mm. because the fact that it, it, this is a group of men and the sentiments that you that you were just talking about. True. I think that it it would flip it, and maybe that would, that's what would make it interesting is to have that flipped. But a group of women women singing that same song, the same lyrics. I mean, however they do the vocal arrangement differently. It, it it by no means could it be really the same song. Like it would be fundamentally different, I think. Absolutely. Of the yeah. 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 Which is maybe all the more reason to do it just because to hear it be like, oh, yeah. yeah. For you, thinking back on two, it, was this album right on time, ahead of its time or timeless?
3: You know, I'm going to say I'm going to say right on time mm. and in, in the best possible way, you know, uh, of its, its of its era. It sounds like it's of its era. Yeah. Mm. It's totally listenable now, but, like, it does capture that moment in time, you know, very perfectly and succinctly. And I, I, I would say it's right on time.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree.
3: We're all just peering over our Nero sunglasses <laughs> right now,
0: wagging <laughs> wagging our fingers at one another, thinking about this. I'm going to go out and get a Nautica shirt
3: right now.
1: <laughs> Nautica? Yo, Nautica was They in.
3: were, rapp- they were yeah, rapping for hard. Nautica. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. In. You. Yeah.
1: Did y'all have any Nautica.
3: I, I, had, I had a I had a Nautica uh, knockoff. It looked it looked like it and even the logo looked like it but it wasn't. I'm pretty sure I had a long sleeve Nautica uh polo
0: shirt. And it wasn't from Boys to Men, but you it so was sporty. It was definitely some I'm I'm watching a lot of 90s hip hop videos and I'm seeing some of these brands. I never got with Tommy Hilfiger for whatever reason. Okay, but Nautica I could roll with, and that was sort of my inner preppiness. That I think, in a lot of ways, like, I grew up kind of similar to Phil. And there was the prep I could roll with. There was yeah, a lot of, like I, I, had cross colors gear. I could not pull off cross yeah. colors. Gear. No, I feel you. But like some you. mall, some mall brand, like you know, yeah. nautical themed stuff. Yeah, I could. I could kind was, of maybe you know work with that.
1: Nautica was clean too. And the dudes that I wore that that I knew wore Nautica were were like real preppy, clean dudes. I saw it a lot on right. on college campuses. So all East Coast dudes. I never really saw any West Coasters right. with, with Nautica on, right. but it looked cool though.
0: We were all just white tees and khakis, and <laughs> I mean that was the West Coast thing, right? You know,
1: corduroy house shoes and right. such.
0: We, we weren't rocking what Holly Henson and you know all that <laughs> stuff. That was that's. What East about Coast Jabot stuff. Though
1: did you Jabot. ever do Jabot? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, sadly. You didn't do Jabal? No, I think I think the in I, and, and Phil, I'd be curious for you, like what were the big pants of that era? Because again, I'm I'm about five years older than you, so Zeke Cavarichi. Mm. If you were a young Asian man in California yeah. back in the '80s, at least Zeke was, was the way to go. I did not, I could not afford or pull off the Z Cap but that was the that was the brand that was the name that was just flown out there as the another
1: the ring to rent
3: to see the I was never cool enough to, that's the name I always heard I was never cool enough to rock that uh, right I like right
0: we just had we had to wear
3: jeans that our parents bought us from Asia yep
0: and shame yep Yeah.
1: meanwhile my brother was over sagging like Overly sagging, like his jaballs were super. <laughs> it was like a sagging ministry. I remember one one morning, my mother was like, "Son, you can't sag in your suits." We were getting ready to go to church, but he and his friends were very. They had come out of that oak tree era with the colorful suits and the you know the shoulder pads, and they had gone right into sagging. Me, I was a cross colors girl. I have to be honest, that was me. So this album, Boys to Men's hella platinum selling album, too. If you had to describe it in in three words, what would they be?
3: I'll go with smooth. Mm. I'll go with sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go with uh, harmony. Mm. Harmony.
2: The biggest mistake of
0: That will do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Phil U, a.k.a. the Angry Asian Man. Phil, what are you working on now?
3: Uh, Pretty much just working on my blog. Find it at angryasianman.com. Kind of just an everyday thing. Your podcast uh, that you do with Jeff Yang, They Call Us Bruce, that's a weekly? Uh, It's a whenever we get around to recording the latest episodes. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, they call us Bruce.
0: And where else can people find you on the socials?
3: Uh, you can find me at Angry Asian Man on most platforms. You got you, you. took
0: care of that early on. Like no one else can compete with, with you on that on that monitor. Not
3: not early enough for some, but
0: uh, for mm. the ones that matter, for the ones that matter. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong, and Morgan Rhodes.
1: Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup.
0: Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows.
1: Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne.
0: We are part of the Maximum Fun Family, taping every week live in their studios in the West Lake neighborhood of Los Angeles, where Morgan and I may or may not be wearing matching satin jammies. <laughs> we want to thank all of our five-star iTunes reviewers, some of the folks who have been in the mix of late, saying very nice things about us, include Bless Bless Said, who s- describes our show as taking, quote, your minds on a musical journey beyond boundaries and mm. hopscotch through genres and cover the topics you need to bless your ears with, unquote. Mm. Oh, I do feel blessed by that. We also had Murray Chris, who has thoroughly enjoyed the show and specifically our, quote, rapport and intellectual banter on bangers, unquote. That, that could have been an alternative name, banter on bangers. Could have been. That's a heat That's a heat rock of a, of a uh, comment right there. That's a there. spinoff. Thanks to everyone out there who has left us reviews. If you have not had a chance yet, just remember it is a key way that listeners can find their way. New listeners can find their way to us. So if you don't mind just taking out a couple of seconds to do that, that would be wonderful. And we might read parts of your review on air.
1: We also want to shout out our social media fans and family including the following. We want to shout out Andre Dowdy. his uh Twitter handle is never a doubt. Thank you so much for shouting us out. We want to shout out shimmering trash pile. <laughs> 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 shout, shout, shout out to shimmering trash pile. I love I love our our Twitter followers. We want to shout out Ashley Dior Thomas who uh who loved Garrett Kennedy's um Whitney Houston episode, we want to shout mm-hmm. out Fuzz1. He said, shout out to my new favorite podcast, Heat Rocks Pod, for showing me a side of music and cultural history I never experienced before. I'm currently on my way through the backlog of episodes and loving every bit of it. We want to shout out Frederick Smith, as always, for holding us, holding us down. We want to shout out Daniel Benz V. We want to sh- shout out nandy bushnell we also want to shout out miss noreen who pointed jermaine dupree to our episode about crazy sexy cool with Franny kelly Mm. we also want to shout out brigham fisher dylan brian woods ginger slim shout out to ginger slim um we want to shout out c lou and others we do so appreciate the tweezies and the retweezies good to see you oliver
0: good to see you too Morian. One last thing, here is a teaser for next week's episode, which features veteran R&B singer and songwriter Van Hunt talking about the 1972 gospel album by the sensational Nightingales' It's Gonna Rain Again.
2: Uh, I can relate to Morgan in, in that uh, we both came up in the uh, AUC area, yeah. Atlanta uh, University uh, College area, and you know through that teaching I learned about a guy named... Uh, uh, john henry clark Mm -hmm. and he talks about uh how the greeks and romans came into africa into egypt specifically and he said you know they they found these people treating each other very nicely and he said they would ask the egyptians like what do you call this thing you guys have and it's like nothing this is just how we treat each other he said they didn't even have a name for jail or punishment or anything Mm -hmm. like that and he said a very entrepreneurial uh roman was like man we could take this turn it into something <laughs> he said suddenly they had a name they got started calling it christianity and he said but that's not about you know that's a business he said that you know how you treat people is is where the, the what the reality mm. is and that's what i hear in that music and uh particularly with charles johnson when he sings there's a very uh earnestness in this in his voice mm-hmm. yeah and in fact i know some of the stories with him and julius cheeks where they were both you know very serious about the word in their and their music and would actually fall out with with members within their own group because they weren't living by you know the, uh, mm-hmm. the words in the uh, in the song
3: maximumfun.org comedy and culture
1: artist owned audience supported